to very specific markets with very specific government programs, which allow us to cash flow much higher than the expenses. You bundle that with long-term fixed interest and rental increases that are guaranteed in that. And we have a very strong cash flow play. And the fund has a track record of actually producing cash flow more than 2x what we're offering to provide on a return basis. This is the Passive Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where we educate career-driven individuals who have tapped out their earning potential, learn about passive real estate investing so you can continue building your wealth without compromising your time or taking on more responsibilities. I'm your host and managing partner at Realm Investors, a multifamily syndication group who has helped multiply millions of dollars for our passive investors. Thanks for tuning in and let's get on with the show. Hey investors, welcome back to another episode of Passive Real Estate Strategies. Today, I am sitting down with Patrick Grimes. Now, Patrick is the founder of investonmainstreet.com. It's a private equity firm with a mission to enhance busy professionals' quality of life by providing tax-shielded and inflation-hedged passive investments. Now, Patrick's been in this game for over 15 years, got into real estate in 2007, the golden era to get into this this space. So Patrick, we are really, really excited to have you on the show. Glad to be here, Justin. I'm excited to talk about mindset and your investors. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Perfect. So, so tell us a little bit about, so you got into real estate in 2007. And you, you obviously stuck with it. What was it like getting started back then? Because I think a lot of people, if they're getting, if they got started pretty recently, they've only known the extraordinarily fast-paced up market, and you kind of got started in the opposite <laughs> of the. Yeah. Up. Well, tell us yeah. about that. He said golden. I I don't know, man. I think it laid an egg <laughs> on that one. It's the golden because if you survived it, you're, you're you're golden. You're doing really really well. Got it. Well, I barely survived it. I, <laughs> so yeah, I was high tech machine design, automation, and robotics guy, and I was encouraged to early on go into high tech and or sorry, go into real estate to diversify. And I did, and I went big into single family pre development, personally guaranteed, high recurring deal, sure thing. Market was never going to down, and so bought yeah. break me over the coals. So I came crawling out of that many years later. And then it was all about risk aversion, risk mm-hmm. adjust return, uh, finding markets that are recession resilient and finding another way to get out of the high tech business. Why were you looking for a way to get out of that? Because I mean, talk about your background, at least to me, it sounds extraordinarily interesting. I don't know, maybe when you're in that space, it's kind of monotonous, like a lot of other jobs and you kind of just get used to it, but you were, you know, working on some pretty high level stuff. Or was it, is that an industry where you're notoriously kind of feeling burnt out or were you just looking for something new or were you just kind of wanting to add some certain things to your personal skill set, or what really was the deciding factor of you to make a transition? Well, actually to, you know, the reality is I actually really did like it. I mean, even when I was a kid, I was building little stuff and with custom machine design, when we were getting into facilities where they were doing this most wild stuff. Like I even helped with the rotor assembly on the model three for Tesla and and I did things oh. with Apple, I did things with Lockheed, Bay and Jane, Abbott, like ablation catheters and robotic surgery things. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. But what I really meant was I read the purple book when I was young back then and that Robert Kiyosaki hmm. cash flow quadrant. I knew the end game as the advice that I got was, you know, invest as much as you can as soon as you can in real estate because I knew that the market would crash again and I needed to get passive cash flow so that I didn't have to work. 
Mm-hmm. But my passion was working. It took many years before I finally came to grips with the fact that, and even during COVID, I, do- I dove in hard and automated assembly test kit for COVID. And, and I, with like a half a dozen companies, it was record year for me. But, you know, world multifamily dried up for a minute or two. And, yeah. you know, and oil and gas was not performing well. So, so I, I, but I loved it. And it was cool to be part of the pollution and on the, on the kind of the leading edge of some technology. But I'm full time now in the private equity firm, not even consulting anymore on that okay. side. And you know what? I love it. It was a lot of, lot of long journey. Um, yeah. Did a lot of fun things along the way, but I'm really excited about what I'm doing now. Yeah. So it's so interesting because a lot of people with your background, I mean, they're kind of our investors, right? Because they love what they do. They're in a pretty high earning profession that's on the cutting edge and that's so new and exciting for them and the technology changing all the time. And they want to do real estate more as a passive sense, but you've actually, you've joined this side, the active side to help some other people join, you know, join into that passive side of that. Did you foresee this being your full time or did you, you know, I know when we were talking before we recorded, I think you mentioned you didn't even know that you could be a passive investor in real estate in the very beginning. If you would have known then what you know now, do you think you would have been a passive investor? Do you think you would have still gone on to the active side? You know what? So it's interesting you say that because as an engineer, I wanted to get in there and figure everything out and I wanted to create and build. And, you know, yeah, I even did a master's in engineering and a master's in an MBA because I yeah. love the systems and figure. But the reality is that after I came out of 2008, I was still doing everything myself, mm-hmm. actively trading my time with my family, friends, and hobbies. And I didn't realize that back it wasn't until I met my wife and I was like, look, I got to hang up the single family hat. Yeah. And we got married in Beijing, got married in California. And I said, I'm not going back to this. I'm going to scale. And what that was, was partner. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It was, was be able to go from a lot of work in the small residential by myself to let's work in with others that are experts that are scaling to much larger sophisticated assets to build a financial institution and let's work together. And if I had, if I was to give advice to anybody, the sooner I partnered, the sooner I succeeded because then I had more time. I can focus on what my superpower was and what I love to do in this world. And I was able to pass off the other things that I'm not as good at, but people have spent decades doing and love. And so in the passive investing world, I write for Forbes and I've got a ton of articles about passive investing and how it's lower risk, both legally and financially. You get better diversification. You get better return on your equity. You can 1031 exchange without failing. And you can just, it's incredible to do that, but it requires you to trust in partners yeah. uh, in order to get there. Yeah. It's so interesting because that's a huge stepping stone from I don't know if septic zone is the right word, but but differentiator between that single family space and the multifamily space. I mean, there's so much room for partnership and scale that it just makes so much sense. And you can really, like you said, work to your superpower. If your superpower is being an engineer or being an entrepreneur or being a medical professional and doing that, okay, you can take a passive position. Or if your if your superpower is talking to investors and raising money and doing deal analytics, I mean, there's there's just everything that for somebody to do depending on your skill set. So yeah, that's really. I think that was a big thing that I noticed too with multifamilies. I thought, wow, this is really like a great way to segment and go deep instead of go broad and really understand what you're doing. So now you have some investors diversify into a lot of things. So syndications is one thing and also oil and gas is another. How did you kind of come across those two as sort of your main avenues of building wealth? Well, so first of all, I have, I have if you read my passive investor guide, investonmainstreet.com and you were gonna, I'm going to talk about diversification. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say dump everything you got. Sure, we have 500 million under management and multifamily, but I've always told people, I lost everything in real estate one time. These are the assets I believe which will survive another downturn. But the wealthy and the high, the middle class, the wealthy and the ultra wealthy, they have large portfolios diversified. In fact, half of 25% of the accredited investors, the high income earners, and 50% of the ultra wealthy are in what are all assets, not just real estate, but private equities and business equities. And those kinds of oper- those kinds of cyclic non-correlated investments, ones that don't ride up and down interest rates, yep. don't wane off the stock market like REITs and stuff, those are what really build that healthy portfolio in any kind of market. Because oftentimes they're up when other things are down, yeah, and they're cash flowing when other things aren't. And we're seeing that today, right? Interest yep. rates going up, cash flows going down in real estate, valuations are waning. We're going to be holding and writing it out. We're finding good distressed deals, but they're not cash lying like they used to. Yeah. But we're in the middle of it. We're all, I believe we're on the edge of a super, another upswing, super cycle on the energy. And a lot of economists all say the same and prices are high. OPEC's dialing back. Russia's misbehaving on natural gas. So we're doing diversified oil and gas portfolios here and providing great opportunities to completely invest in something entirely different that is on the upswing, better tax advantages, cash flow and appreciation. So I think those are really powerful. I, I also, we're also launching, um, by the time your listeners listen to this probably, um, funds for purely cash flow. I'm, you know, one of the hardest things that is going to happen in this, in these coming years with interest rates high, it, a lot of the deals that were cash flowing, well, those operators that turned off the ticket. Our deals are still cash flowing because we had long-term fixed interest, mm-hmm. but a lot of them stopped and the new one are going to be hard to cash flow. Next year is going to be the 2023 is going to be the year searching for cash flow. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons why we started this next fund was purely for cash flow mm-hmm. so that investors could enjoy that. And is there an SO, of course, with the the, the larger multifamily than the oil and gas? And, and I'm not as versed in the oil and gas space, although I hear it's something that a lot of people should be keeping an eye on. Is that when you say, you know, it's a cash flowing fund or hey, this is the year that we're focusing on cash flow, you know, those types of things. Is it, uh, how are you doing that? Is it asset specific? Is oil and gas kind of what you're saying is, is, is what you and like you mentioned, other economists are seeing is that next asset class. Is it a different type of real estate asset? Maybe it's industrial or warehousing or retail or, or well, what do you mean by that? How are you, I guess, pushing the nozzle more on cash flow? Well, so there are some assets which have high appreciation, some that have purely cash flow and some that have a mix. And both the oil and gas deals as well as the multifamily deals have that mix. Um, but on the multifamily side, cash flow is going down. Purely cash flow, there are lots of investments out there that focus on cash flow. I like the fact that subsidized housing mm-hmm. right, allows for government guaranteed rents. They allow for government guaranteed rental increases. Now, you layer that on top of the fact that we can get 30-year loans on single-family residences that give us protection from interest rate risk, and we can buy it in areas where the cash flow is high, and we can diversify these across uh, hundreds, over 400 homes, and you get rid of the single point of failure issue with affordable housing where they may damage the home, right? But that washes out over a portfolio. Then you end up in a portfolio where it's not appreciating like crazy. These are not high appreciating markets, uh-huh. right? We're not in crime areas. We actually have great tenant training where we're putting in the right tenants in the right areas. But 
we're buying cash flowing ready to go out. We're not value adding and renovating them. We're buying ready to go houses already picked up, putting good affordable housing residents in them. And then we're cash flowing. We're cash flowing huge drop those. And are yep. not expecting to make it big on an exit. We're providing a twelve and a half percent currently paid out, immediately accruing or current immediately paid out twelve and a half percent yearly return and we, we distribute monthly. Hey investor, did you know that we wrote an ebook that covers the three truly passive real estate strategies that exist to retail investors? Head to the link in the show notes and download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies. We'll walk you through the three truly passive investment strategies so you can build your wealth without sacrificing your time or compromising your hours. Head to the show notes and get your free download. Let's get back to the show. Wow. And so so 12.9% is pretty massive for this space, especially right away. Where are you finding the properties like that? Is it is it specifically the, within the vouchers? Because I know some government organizations, they'll, they'll actually pay above market rate. If, if that's in an area that's really needing it, we've, we've had experience with some properties like that, which again, can be nice. Is it more the areas that you're buying in? You know, it's not a secret that maybe some secondary tertiary markets will have, you know, higher cap rates and higher cash flows because of it. Now, how exactly are you guys hitting such a high cash return right out of the gate with these? Well, so right out of the gate, actually, this, this fund's been growing for a couple of years now. And it is now time for us to bring on more investors and scale it to a bigger degree because we see right now it being needed. But yeah, we there are the very specific markets with very specific government programs which allow us to cash flow much higher than the expenses. You bundle that with long-term fixed interest and rental increases that are guaranteed in that. And we have a very strong cash flow play. And the fund has a track record of actually producing cash flow more than 2x what we're offering to provide on a return basis. Now, why are we just doing on a preferred equity? Meaning you get that on day one and we're capped at that. Well, it's because there is some ebbs and flows on the top of that. And we want to take that risk ourselves because we're operationally going to be handling those risks and and we're going to be doing that well above the preferred equity return. Mm-hmm. We're not saying you're going to make a multiple X return on exit. In fact, preferred equity fund is you get your capital back. Yeah, You've got great returns, cash flow basis, but we have the ability to buy more houses that may be empty or that take a little longer to fill. And then it will affect our cash flow on the operator side, but we give you 100% of the first 12.5%. And that gives you the confidence that you're in the great asset, you're the first pe- person paid, and you have we have the ability to continue to grow it. Give people cash flow in the year when there's, I don't think there's going to be cash flow next year. And I think people really are going to need it. Yeah. So that, that's fantastic. I mean, I want to switch gears here because I want to really talk about the oil and gas stuff because we don't have too many guests come on here that are really, really well experienced and versed in that like you are. I think when it comes to investing in real estate, a lot of people, whether they're in this game or not, they get it. You know, we've lived in houses, we've likely lived in apartments before. We understand, hey, the tenant pays rent, it goes this, those expenses. Uh, so a lot of people get that. But I think a lot of people, when you say something like, oh, I, you know, I'm invested in oil and gas or oil and gas funds or, you know, oil and gas is something an investment you should look at. I don't think a lot of people really understand what that means, right? Like they intrinsically understand an apartment complex or something like that. So can you give us, an overview. If, you, if somebody's invested in oil and gas, what exactly does that mean? Is it companies? Is it drilling? Is it the logistics of it? How, what does that mean for an oil and gas person? 
there's a million different ways to invest in oil and gas. <laughs> Just like there's a million different ways to invest in real estate. So what does it mean? It means that you're participating in the producing or fabrication or people even buy the plants or there's there's individuals that are doing scrubbing out of the oil and gas. There's, there's a million different ways. You can buy tax credits, right? <laughs> Offset. But the way we do it is a bit kind of like how we do multifamily. And, you know, I, we're, we're providing an essential need, which is the house feed and energize America. And then when you do that, the IRS compensates you very well because they need the private sector here to house feed and energize America, unlike in China, where it's all government uh, yeah. owned institutions. So we're drilling holes into the ground, putting straws in the ground, and we're pulling out the hydrocarbons. Now, right. yeah. Now uh, I'm doing this with partners, obviously, because, you know, I, Although my family has collected oil royalties and I'm divest- I'm invested passively in yeah. various alternative assets, I'm working with partners on the women that have been doing it for 20 years in this company and 30 years actually total in third generation, right? And I'm looking for that. Most of my investors, they don't have the knowledge of the network or the resources, to your point, Justin, to even know what it is, how to do the due diligence and how to find out if they're the right kind of investments. They're not fraud. They're not taking too much risk. Yeah. And... And ones that'll actually fall through. Well, that's what we decided to do. And we've been doing, we've been investing and that's why we brought it. So what we're doing is uh, partnering with a company that is purchasing leases. That's the first step, right? Because you have to have a place to drill. Yep. And a lot of oil and gas deals go out somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And they, they wildcat and hope, right? And so <laughs> the investors lose it all and the operators make a killing and that's not what we're doing we're actually that's a different model we're we're buying known producing areas where there is oil and gas we're drilling in proven locations proven undeveloped locations called puds on these leases not just one well you're not just in one well right you don't just get you get a piece of the leases themselves in multiple locations so you have some diversification but you also get a piece of multiple wells, which are horizontal wells. So they can go down a mile and out a mile. It's incredible. Horizontal mile. So yeah. I agree in probability. Interesting. So so one thing that I do know is people really love to rave about the tax benefits of oil and gas. It's, it's you know, if you ever want to know what kind of assets have the best tax benefits or or the best tax incentives, you always look for what's most important to, to the country right now, just like you had said. A lot of people don't realize that the tax code is actually written primarily to sway decision-making from the private sector and, and, and encourage investments in a certain thing. So real estate's big need, oil and gas, another enormous need. How are the taxes different? And I, and I know you're not a CPA, so everybody needs to consult their own, but how are the taxes different from real estate? Because real estate has some pretty incredible tax benefits. So to a lot of real estate investors, it's hard to imagine that there's other ones out there that maybe for your specific situation may be better or indifferent. But can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, so I appreciate you teeing me up on it because I'm not as, you know, required to say I'm not a CPA financial planner or attorney, so I can't give accounting financial or tax advice. And you definitely need to talk to your team, make an intelligent decision. What I can say is that most of our investors realize dramatic tax advantages because the IRS says, hey, if you come into this investment and you invest with these in direct oil and gas drilling here nationally to stimulate the national production of oil and gas will allow you to take those intangible drilling costs, those those passive losses essentially, or the, not the, the active losses that come through off of your ordinary income. And so your adjusted gross income, your active income, W-2 bonuses, all of that. 
And that's a huge game changer. I mean, there because if you're in a 40% tax bracket and you invest 100000 for example, most of our investors, and it's different for everybody, they'll see 30000 of it back when they file for taxes. So like right now, this at the end of the year here, you invest now. In April, the government's going to kick you 30 30 You're not going to tax you on 30 grand of your 100 grand, right? Yeah. That means you're kind of all in at 70 grand, but you just invested 100 grand. Yeah. And that's huge because that's not even calculated in the actual returns, right? When people say you're going to very easy numbers, hey, 10% year over year, they're not, or they should not be including, oh, plus it's the 30,000 that that's included in your 10%. So you're actually maybe getting, you know, math figures here, 7%, but we're going to count three extra percent as your taxes. So we round it to 10. That's not the case. It's, it's your return. And then your tax benefits are, are on top of that. So, wow, I think that's really, really incredible. It's something that I think everybody needs to keep their eyes open for because these things do change. I mean, real estate has been, you know, the top dog and the tax, you know, the tax break game for a long time. But as wars happen, as other economic distresses happen, I've had a couple of really good mentors tell me, Hey, look out for any type of investment in food or grain because the war in Ukraine is really impacting food and grain. Once they see that these needs come up, they really need the private sector to come in and and contribute everything they can. So they really start to release some amazing benefits. So, I mean, Patrick, this has been really fantastic. I think you have such a great and unique blend of experience, both personally, professionally, inside, outside of real estate. How can people get a hold of you and who should maybe reach out and get in touch? Yeah. So Invest on mainstreet.com. Invest on main and then street all spelled out.com. And right at the top, we have our investments that are available. There's also a contact us page if you would like to set up a call. I'd be happy to chat with whomever I'm doing this to build relationships. And, and I'm, a, I'm a network builder. So I'd love to chat with you, see what your goals are, and point you in the right direction.